Event may be too intense for young children, and it's not recommended for children under the age of 13. No costumes or costume masks allowed. Discover Universal presents Halloween Horror Nights Haunted Tales, an anthology series exploring the stories behind Halloween Horror Nights' chilling original creations. Warning, what you're about to hear may be disturbing for some listeners. Discretion is advised. In today's episode, we'll hear from Matt Flood as he tells the tale of Spirits of the Coven, an original haunted house at Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights 2022. A reporter draws unwitting customers to a speakeasy, hiding something far more sinister than bootlegged beverages. Here's Matt with Spirits of the Coven. Music is life. Fred remembered Walter saying that the first night they met. It was just one of those things that musicians say until this moment. Watching and listening to Walter play out the last few seconds of his life, it was as if every note, every stanza and movement created the only worthy definition of life. Walter's fingers stabbed the keys and the music bled out. It was the middle of the day, but this place had no windows to allow something so natural as sunlight. It looked like a speakeasy. The bar, the tables and chairs, fancy papered walls, and some simple decorations hung up for the Halloween celebration that night. Even the beautiful onlookers around the room, with their knees exposed and dressed in that enticing flapper style, made this scene familiar for Fred Lafferty, the well-loved social columnist. But this wasn't a normal gin joint, and those weren't flappers. Walter continued to play, turning the upbeat tune into a desperate plea. It was a cry for mercy aimed at the poised figure casting her shadow over him, the queen. Fred couldn't allow himself to focus on her, on the green and gold dagger held inches from Walter's heart. She stood just off center, as if she belonged in that waking moment after a nightmare. Fred was the betrayer, and Walter the betrayed. He had enticed his friend to come with him to possibly pick up another gig in town. It had taken time to convince Walter, due to his fear of the city's boss, who owned most of the speakeasies, but Fred convinced him that in this place, he had nothing to fear from the boss. Walter stuck the last key, and its sustain bounced around the room looking for an escape. Fred knew there wasn't hope, but still, something about that song had seemed almost triumphant. She can live, Walter said. It hadn't been a question. In fact, he almost managed confidence. The dagger point touched his side, aimed towards his heart. She can live, Walter's voice broke. For the first time, Fred allowed himself to focus on the queen, holding the dagger to Walter's back. A headpiece covered the top of her face. Five ornate daggers protruded from it like pointed rays of light forming a crown, and a single, all-seeing eye peered out from its center. When she spoke, it ended the lingering effect of the song. You played with passion. I promised you your mother could live. Walter lifted his shoulders away from the keys, closed his eyes, and visibly tensed. My sweet musician, so full of life, I feel I should tell you at least something true before you die. Walter didn't flinch. Fred wished he could look away. Soon after you left your mother this morning, one of my sisters of the coven visited her. And your mother is already dead. Walter screamed. 
but it was cut off within a second as the ceremonial blade slid between his ribs and found his heart. The queen withdrew the blade and quickly opened his throat from ear to ear. She lifted Walter's body and dropped it into the brass tub that had been waiting beside them. The hags, lurking in the shadows, stamped in and began to squeeze the body and turn it to collect the blood. Pay close attention, sisters. The witch queen wiped her blade and it disappeared into her sleeve. Passion ripens what's in the blood, but it is useless until you sever it from hope. Blood is not the ingredient, it's the conduit to the soul. We only use the finest of ingredients. The flappers standing around nodded and bowed their heads. The queen finally turned to Fred. Where is the next one? He'll be here soon. My source from inside the outfit told me the hitman was to find me last night. I left a trail to bring him here. The hags finished up with Walter's body and carried the full tub, along with the barrel of unused pieces, back towards the elevator. Fred had never gone down that elevator, but couldn't help but wonder. The location and password to this speakeasy was a well-kept secret until the queen recruited Fred to encode it into his column. Over the past few months, he had subtly built the allure of this place by writing about a lost sense of secrecy and the drab environment at most of the local speakeasies. Fred's relationship with this place had become publicly known within the last week, so he had immediately become the boss's number one target. One of the flappers walked into the bar. He's here. We will use the lounge. The queen quickly gave directions to her sisters, and two hags grabbed Fred by his hands to lead him. The hag's fingers were rough, and one of them rubbed her sharp nails up and down his forearm as they led him to the elevator. She looked up at him as if she was nervous or like someone starving. Fred had seen the flappers take the men down to the lounge, and he knew what it was by reputation, so he expected some of what he saw and heard. Inviting seats and music drifting in from a radio hidden in one of the side rooms or halls, but it was unpleasantly musty and somehow felt dim and filthier than the main bar and gambling hall. Fred found it a little hard to breathe. Another brass tub was set in the middle of the room, and the queen stood by the door. The whole coven took their assigned places, and Fred waited beside the tub. The whole company waited in silence. It seemed to be an hour or more. Fred's back ached from keeping his feet planted and unmoving for so long. He'd made himself go to the place in his mind where he wrote. He was considering new ideas for his next column. Then he heard the creaking of elevator cables echoing from beyond the door. One set of boots stepping on the soft floor. Silence followed for only a moment. For a split second, Fred saw the silhouette of the hitman who had come to kill him. There was a metallic ring, and the hitman pulled a knife and hurled it at Fred. It sliced through the air, stopping inches from Fred's chest, and then fell harmlessly to the ground. Fred continued to stand, his arms and jaws shaking from the thrill of it. Welcome, the queen said to the hitman, who was now showing both fury and confusion on his face. The room full of flappers stood. The hitman stared in horror and disbelief at the unbelievable sight. Then, to his credit, he lunged at the queen, perceiving that she was his greatest threat. But she caught him by his throat and lifted him above her head. What an intoxicating man! The green and gold dagger flashed and stuck through his chest. She then dropped the dead hitman's body into the tub and as easily removed his right arm. Once again, the hags did their work and the queen referenced the room passion, a lust for something, anything. Find it and then crush it. This man 
loved his power, so I made him feel his power. Then I took it. Do likewise. I'm done with you now, Fred. The queen turned her face towards him. I'm still useful, Fred said. All men are. The queen turned, and the same two hags that had taken him below to the lounge once again grabbed him. This time, they both scraped at his arms and pressed him between them as they plunged through an open door on the other side of the lounge. They entered the underground that held the truth of this place. This coven had progressed with the times. They had disposed of their cast-iron cauldrons and ancient potions. The queen had led them into this new age of power by innovating their methods. Modern distilling equipment created new possibilities, and the queen had been able to accomplish so much more than her predecessors. Her magic had grown beyond anything her sisters could have believed. Barrels filled the tunnels. Pig carcasses stuffed with bottles of the witch's brew were piled and ready to be loaded onto the mining carts that would find their way out of the city into the world beyond. This was the queen's domain. Fred was brought before the queen as she stepped into a massive conduit overgrown by sickly vines and roots. The roundish room had dark alcoves cut into the walls with marks on the walls as if hundreds of fingernails had tried to claw their way through. The full realization of what was coming hit him. You can't crush me. Like you crushed those men. I am a calculating man. I don't give into passions. I don't have hope that you can crush. It's true. You would make for a very weak brew. You are far more fun to look at. In fact, my sisters and I have anticipated this moment for some time now. You will always be aware, but from here on, you will be my puppet. Another hag suddenly appeared with a hot branding iron leveled to meet Fred's face. The hags holding him grabbed his head and he found himself unable to move once more. As the hot iron approached his face, he saw a glowing symbol on its end and then he felt the searing pain press into his face, over his mouth, and hold until the heat spread across his skin. He could smell his flesh burning. As he screamed, the queen began her spell. It came over him like thick mud running over his head and covering his body until it seemed to crawl in through his eyes. The heat increased, and while still fully aware, he felt his own soul, the thing that made him alive, burn inside his chest and then burst forth through his eyes. There was no pain comparable. Fred's mind exploded, and his body was lost. It was torture without any ability to fight back. His limbs, senses, even heart became an extension of the Queen's will. But he was still there, still inside. 